to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Beautiful listeners, you know, there are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, or wives and mothers, their examples are inspirational to us all. Okay, Robin, Yes, I'm so excited about today. So as I was reading about Clara Brown, because that's who I'm doing, and she's um, known in Colorado mainly, and other places she just isn't known. And as I was reading it, I was so uplifted. I was so inspired. I also cried. Oh. And I thought, Robin's going to love this story. Wait, where's the tissue? Okay, yes. I've got my Kleenex right here. That's right. All right, go, Cheryl, go. And our, and our listeners will love it, too. Yes. If you don't fall in love with Clara Brown... I hate to say this, dear listener, but something we is might not amiss. Be the program for you. <laughs> yes, something is amiss. So she was born in 1800 in Kentucky, and she was born a slave to, the, mm-hmm. to parents who were slaves, and you know, brothers and sisters who were slaves. And she was the slave owners were Ambrose and Myra Smith. Now, one thing you have to know about Clara Brown right from the get go is she always looked for the best in everyone. And she always found the best in everyone. That's just something that was known about Clara Brown. And she felt that Ambrose and Myra, as far as slave owners go, were good people. And she felt like she had the gift of discernment, like a she could sense whether someone was good and noble, whether they were mean or, you know, mm. kind. She could sense that. So... Ambrose um, and Myra Smith, they made sure that Clara and all her siblings and every slave that they had learned to read and write. Wow. And they took the whole— not typical. No. And the whole household went to church every Sunday and sat together. Mm. The whole household. So that was something that they insisted on. So— Clara says of that time that she received Jesus at 10 years old. And this is what she said. Darling, I was nothing but a child when God came to me and took me to Jesus. No matter what happened, I knew God would bear me up. And that's so precious because she's going to need bearing up because her life, it's going to take this tragic turn. So at 18 years old, she married, and I use that lightly, she married a man named Richard that um, was working with her. Now, what she loved about Richard and what she fell in love with was Richard, he sounds like a big teddy bear. He was the kindest man she'd ever met. And, you know, she would say, Richard was the kindest man I have ever known in my entire life. And he had a huge smile that could just light up the atmosphere. So slaves were not allowed to get married. Can you believe that? Yes. They weren't allowed I mean, to marry. So they had a a ceremony that they called jumping the broom. Yes. So they would put the broom down. They would say vows to each other of love and faithfulness. And then they would jump over the broom. And that would signal that they were married and committed for life to each other. And everyone that was there saw that. That's right. It was they were the witnesses. And so she and Richard jumped the broom when she was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So everything with Claire is pretty easy to do a timeline on because she was born in 1800. So she's 18. So this is 1818. And they jump 
uh, the broom. They had four children together, Richard Jr., Margaret, and then the twin girls, Eliza Jane and Paulina Ann. So one day, Clara is working, um, and Eliza Jane and Paulina have wandering, wandered off to the river when Eliza Jane comes running as quickly as she can. And apparently, Paulina went too deep into the water and got swept oh. under the current and died. And so, Richard, everyone ran, and they tried their best to save Paulina. They recovered her body, but they weren't able to mm. resuscitate her. And for weeks and weeks after that, Eliza Jane could not be comforted. Her twin sure. had died. And Clara would take her in her arms and just hold her all night long while she wept you know, for her twin that she had lost. So in 1836, Ambrose Smith died. Mm. And Myra could not afford uh, the house or, you know, the slaves. So this is so tragic. Clara, Richard, Richard Jr., Margaret, and Eliza Jane were all put up for sale <gasps> at the auction. At an auction. I mean, it's so sad. A cruel mm. man bid and bought mm. Richard and Richard Jr. Mm. And Clara looked at that man, and she just knew he's cruel. Yeah, He's a bad man. Clara was sold to a family called the Browns, and she watched as Margaret was sold to another family, and Eliza Jane to a family called the Covingtons. I just can't even imagine. No. Just cannot even imagine. She had to watch all of them leave in different mm. directions, her family. Mm. And, you know, they had been together for 18 years. They had the grace of being together um, and being loved and respected yes. at least Yes, by this family. And then they're all, you know, taken away and to different places. And With no hope of ever no. seeing each other again or knowing how to keep in contact. Right. In fact, some were taken mm-hmm. out of state. This is Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, at the mm-hmm. time, Kentucky. Kentucky. Some were yeah. taken, you know, just out of state, and she didn't know. But they did have a way of uh, passing information and finding out information um, about each other. Mm. And that was something that was um, done regularly, that people kept taps on other people's children because they knew the heartache, right? And so she learned— that um, she learned while she was working that her husband and son were worked to death by that cruel oh. taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Cheryl, you told me I was going to love this story so far. It's I know. breaking my heart. I know. Oh. So the Browns absolutely adored Clara. Okay, I have to say that they loved Clara, even though they were slave owners. They loved her, and they put her in charge of raising their three daughters. Now, that's... That's quite an honor. Mm -hmm. And so the three daughters were Mary Prue, Lucinda, and Eveline, and they adored Clara, and they called her Auntie, Mm -hmm. Auntie, Auntie Clara, and they loved her. She served with them for 20 years until, here we go again, Mr. Brown died. So now she's 59 years old, and she finds out that Mr. Brown left her Three hundred dollars in his wealth. That's wow. a huge yes, amount at is. that time. And then her daughter, his daughters, this is Mary Prue, Lucinda, and Eveline, brought her in, and they said, "We have something else for you." 
and they gave her her freedom papers. <laughs> okay. Because they Oof. adored her. Yes. Now, at this point, Clara has one burning desire, and you can guess what oh, yeah. it is. It's to find your family. Sure. Now, she knows that Richard and Richard Jr. are in heaven with Jesus, but she wants to find out what happened to the rest. Mm-hmm. So she researches, she searches, she looks, and she finds out that Margaret has died of a heart attack, mm-hmm. that she died of heart failure. But she has no idea at all where Eliza Jane is. This will become her lifelong quest to find Eliza mm-hmm. Jane. She will spend her money. She will work hard to find Eliza Jane. So she hears of a family called the Covingtons that were taken up with the gold rush and had gone to Colorado. So she decides she's going to join herself to a wagon train. She's 59 years old, and she's going to go to Colorado to see if she can find Eliza Jane. So she's looking at the different wagon trains that that are going there, and she sees this one man, and his name is... um. Captain Worthington. What a name, Worthington. (laughs) And he's gruff. He's a tough guy. But she she senses that he's noble. Even though he's tough, mm -hmm, he's noble. Mm -hmm. So she goes up to him and she says, look, if I can have safe travels with you, I will do your laundry and your cooking the whole time. And he says, well, hmm, you know, let me think about it and get back to you. So there are five families, and there's 26 single men. And she's volunteering to do the laundry and cooking for these 26 (laughs) single men. Because this is going from Kentucky all the way to Colorado, and it's not safe for a woman all by herself. So Worthington says, all right, you can go with us. So for the next eight weeks, again, let me say this, she is 59 (laughs) years old. She has to rise before dawn for the next eight weeks, roast coffee beans every morning for these men, then make the coffee after she has roasted the beans. Can you imagine how good that smelled? Oh, yes. I was waking up to roasting coffee beans. Then she fries bacon and eggs for these 26 men. No, we're not done. Everybody up. She milks the cow so she can have milk for the biscuits. She makes homemade biscuits every morning. Then she feeds all 26 single men and Captain Worthington. Then she has to wash all the dishes. Now it's time for the wagon train to set out now that they've had a hearty (laughs) breakfast. I guess so. So she has to walk. Six to eight miles. She's walking. She's walking. While they're in their, uh, what do they call it? The the wagons. Yeah. She is walking. Stoga wagons. That, that's it. Go. She's walking beside them. Wow. Then it's lunchtime. And she makes a stew using herbs that she finds on the trail and whatever scraps of meat or, you know, uh, vegetables she has left. She makes this stew. Then she has to do the dishes again. And walk five to six more miles and do what's called make, you know, what she does then is she does this thing, um, or I called it make, but it's called lick skillet. <laughs> lick skillet. So that's what they have every night for dinner is lick skillet. And it's beans and leftovers, really. But she also has bread and butter 
and cobbler for dessert. She does this. I wonder if it's like, well, you got your bread and your butter, but it's so good you want to use the bread to sop up what's left in the skillet and lick the skillet with what's left. She <laughs> was renowned for her cooking. It sounds like it. In fact, I have to say that all the men on this wagon train fell in love with her. And oh. they were, they were when they get de- to Denver, they're like, whatever we can do for you yes. for the rest of your life. Yeah, the way to a man's heart really is through his stomach. Apparently, like, on I, the you trail. Know, this is a show mainly for women. So if you're a man, just accept the truth. <laughs> so then she has to do the dishes at night. Then There's no other women. Well, there's, there's the families. There's, so there are okay. some women. But they're taking care of their own families. So she's not alone, really, when she's doing this. I mean, all the women are doing the dishes. All the women are making the fires and roasting. But she's doing it for 26 men. So she has to, after she does the dishes, gather buffalo chips and wood for the next morning's fire. She's also in charge of that. Does she sleep? I know. Seriously. We're not done yet. She has to milk the cow again. Oh, dear. And skim off the cream. Listen to this. She butter. That's right. She puts it in a flour sack, and you know, so it you know drains Good. and stuff. Then she hangs it from Captain Worthington's uh, wagon, because the next day, as they oh. as the wagon is going, it's it's moving it's the butter. Churn it's churning as the you butter. Go. Yes, <laughs> it's churn as you go. That's right. That's so good. I like that. <laughs> so um, at evening, after this. She goes to sleep mending the men's socks and shoes before climbing under one of the wagons on an oil cloth with a blanket over her and going to sleep. Now, she has no alarm clock, and she has to rise mm. before the sun. So talk about discipline, too. And was that a discipline that had been part of her life from Early on, probably so that her rhythm mm-hmm. was just set that she'd always wake up. It's five o'clock and there's no sunshine yet. But yeah, wow. Now, on Sundays, while everyone else rested, Clara made her bread and she dried the meat for jerky. And it, because being on the the road, you know, on this long journey, the the meat had to be dried and mm-hmm. then you know put in the stews or the lick skillet. Yes. <laughs> So, um, by the end of this journey, when they reached Denver, Colorado, eight weeks later, Clara, they said, was the most beloved person on that whole wagon train. And they referred to her as Clara, the salt of the earth. Oh, Isn't that precious? Yes. So, arriving in uh, Denver, this woman, Mary Howard, heard about Clara, and she approached her and said, my husband's dying, and I can't do this work all by myself. Could you, you know, just help me out, and I'll pay you? And Clara said, you know, all right. So they're doing this at a bakery, and Clara's a little worried about being in a bakery, sitting at the same table with a white woman inside a bakery. This is not how her life in Kentucky was. And she's looking around, and nobody's batting an eyelash. Everyone's like, yes. So this, this is wait wait wait. So this is almost the Civil War. We're yeah, not 1859. In, yeah, 1860. We're not, we're not there yet. yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And no one in in Denver is looking at color. No, they're looking no. at the heart and the person. So she's sitting with Mary Howard, and they would go to this bakery regularly after this and have a cup of coffee and maybe a treat. Well, the owner of the bakery is this big German na- man named Henry Reitz. 
Henry Wrights comes out and says, Clara, I've heard you can bake. I really need some help baking. So she joins him in the bakery, and she works for Henry and for Mary Howard until Mary's husband dies for two years, and she saves every single penny that she has. Well, because Denver happened this gold rush town, you know how the gold rush is. There are people who build these cabins, and they're settling until they hear there's gold in California or there's gold in Alaska. So many of the houses— had been abandoned in Denver. Mm -hmm. So she was able to buy one for $25. So she buys a house um, and she, she, all the money that she saved, she sets up a laundry business. And we'll talk a little bit about the laundry business in a, in a minute. But one of the things that happens at this time is she meets this young man named Pastor Jacob Adrian's. And he is an evangelist and he just loves, um, Clara. But he's come out to Denver to evangelize and to start a church. So you know what she does? She says, use my house. Use my house. So he, during the day, evangelizes and invites people to Clara's house because that's where the church was held Mm -hmm. on Sundays and one night a week. And one night a week, in order to help him in the evangelization process, right, (laughs) she makes stew and uh, you're gonna say bread yes yes. she does she had to feed them and she and all these men start coming and miners start coming and she's getting very very popular and these men are getting saved and the church is beginning to get established because of this little what you would call a home bible study right the, the outreach tool of food. That's it right. It really does work. So in this way, they were able to establish the first Methodist church in Denver. Mm. And so after a time when there were enough men and there were enough um, finances, right, they, they began to build. And they said the biggest contributor to the building um, financially was Clara. Of course. Clara with her little laundry business contributed the most uh, money. Now, this whole time as, as Claire's living there, she hasn't forgotten about Eliza Jane. She's asking questions of anyone who's coming out from the East. Um, have you seen Clara Jane? And a lot of men who were seeking their freedom from slavery are making their way out to the West. And so anyone who is a freed slave, she, of course, invites to the Bible study herself. Yeah. She she just peppers them with questions about her daughter, but she hasn't seen her daughter. Think about it mm. in, you know, um, 20 odd years, yeah. 22, 23 years. And she doesn't know where she is. Or, or if she's still alive. Or if she's still alive. Exactly. But she she wanted to know. Clara would feed those who came to her house, bear, deer, beef, turkey, whatever she could buy. Oh, I thought, and she and she also fed the bears, the deer. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. She fed the. <laughs> That's what she right, fed to the people, right? To the people, to but us. she would buy the food herself to feed the people oh. that were um, that were coming to the home Bible study. I know I tend to go off script a little bit because I think, oh, this is important. The diet. <laughs> it, it is. Well, I think what's so good about it is how it shows you can't out give God. You give away, He fills back up. 
Right. Every time. And we see this just so clearly in her life. But I love that she started with the assumption that she was in a position where she could discern and choose to see the good in people and clearly in situations as well. So that her heart was just open and ready to give. And if anyone could be bitter... Oh, yes. It would be Clara, but she chose not to be. And she could say, you know, I worked hard enough, but she didn't stop working Mm -hmm. hard either. Now, this was the Wild West. Now, I want to say this because Denver is a bit tame. But um, even so, it was not unusual for Clara when she was making her way to the outhouses because, let's be honest, they didn't have the facilities inside the house in those days. It was not unusual for Clara to have to pass a bear, a deer, a raccoon, or some other form of wildlife. That's just on like way grocery to the out- shopping yes. for her. <laughs> yes, on her way to the outhouse. Can you imagine? <laughs> yes, I, uh, there's a deer. I need that for dinner tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But she was fearless. So wow. um, at this time, too, you know, everybody in Denver loves her. Her name is um, garnering all sorts of respect and love. She meets a woman named Jenny Jones, and Jenny Jones is a Native American. She's actually Cherokee, full Cherokee, but her husband is, you know, white for lack of ethnicity and background. (laughs) And she took uh, Clara on her adventures and her walks, and she taught Clara all about what plants were edible, what herbs were good to use, and really enhanced Clara's um, cooking abilities. And so they were very, very close friends. But it's important to know that Clara was known for her prayer life. If you had a request, if you wanted prayer, Clara was the one that you took the request to because Clara loved to pray. She prayed and praised. They said that you would be in a conversation with Clara and maybe you were saying something like, oh, yeah, my leg's been hurting. And all of a sudden, Clara would be like, Father, you heard that. Oh, that's great. Yes. You know, um, Jenny's leg yes. is hurting. You're the healer. We trust you. We, we trust you. We do that more. It's just the Lord's right there. Yes, and she Bring did. It to him. She, yeah, did. she did. Now, I have to say my mother did that all the time. You're like, oh, so we're in conversation with the Lord now. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up like that, where you never kind of knew when mom was going to yeah. turn it over to, to the Lord. But Claire did that all mm. the time. She was always turning over everything to the Lord. But what she especially turned over to the Lord. Over and over again, she could not talk about Eliza Jane without praying and saying, Oh, Father, wherever my little girl is, whatever she's doing, I'm asking you to take care of her. I'm asking that in your grace, I might see my Eliza Jane Mm. one more Mm. time, one more time. So everybody knew about Eliza Jane, but she's restless. She's restless because she didn't go to Denver just to settle down or have a successful laundry business. She had gone to Denver to find Eliza Jane, right. and she first clue. hadn't found mm-hmm. her. Now, by this time, most of the miners and the people seeking gold have moved on from Denver to a place called Central City, Colorado, which is about 40 miles away from Denver. Okay. So she decides she's got to move there too. But she has this laundry business. Now, the laundry business involved um, quite a lot of big equipment. Um, So she had like two huge tubs. She had buckets. She had a boiler tank, a washboard, 
um, as well as this, you know, big old stake. It was like a pole that she would set up from whatever house she was mm-hmm. to do the line. Mm-hmm. So she could not transport these herself. Oh. She didn't have a wagon. She didn't have any horses. So she prays, you know, Lord, I, I need to, to transport these. And she ends up uh, running into one of the men who had been on the wagon train. And, you know, they started talking and she told him about her dilemma. And he was like, well, Miss Clara, I'll take all that up for you. I'll put it on the back of my wagon. He's volunteering to drive all this heavy equipment 40 miles in his wagon because Clara is so beloved And she's on a quest to find her daughter. And she's thinking, maybe she's in Central City or maybe somebody in Central City knows. Because Central City is where all the people who are coming out from the East are coming. So part two next week, Robin, and And, it gets better. And and, and did Clara make biscuits for him? Oh, you know it. (laughs) Everything, right? Oh, what a woman. What a woman. So glad you brought her to us. Yes. Oh, you just wait till part two. Okay. You just wait for part two. It It is coming. (laughs) It's coming. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not-so-well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.